Shining a light on autism and life on the spectrum. Welcome to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. A podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism. And now, here's your neurologically different host, Orion Kelly. Welcome and thank you so much for listening to my friend Autism. I'm Orion Kelly. I'm autistic. My purpose is to empower you with knowledge, education and growth opportunities through open, honest and engaging conversations on autism. Now, the podcast seeks to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while increasing the level of understanding and acceptance of autistic people. You can also check me out on my YouTube channel if you want to hear more. Check out the Orion Kelly, That Autistic Guy YouTube channel. Not only these podcasts, but I do podcasts for Aspect and I also write blogs and a whole heap more. So you can check out my YouTube channel and also go to my website, orionkelly.com.au. That's orionkelly.com.au. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Join the conversation now at the Orion Kelly Facebook page. Now, on this episode, I want to talk to you a bit about my experience at uni, university. So this came up in the weirdest way. A friend of mine was telling me a story. You know, when you, you share something and then people share stuff back. Okay, so I was kind of sharing a a story, I guess, about how your kids can get bullied at school. Anyway, they shared a story back and the story, you know, involved their child and an incident of bullying at school. And anyway, the story got me really revved up. I mean, I was just spitting bullets. I was really upset by this whole scenario. And I started just reeling off all these law-based points and these law-based arguments talking about criminal offences and talking about how it would work if that was in the law, how different that is to how schools tend to work out bullying situations. I mean, about halfway through my three-day rant on the law, criminal law and how it works in the legal system, a friend of mine said, why don't you do this? Why aren't you doing this? This is what you should be doing. Everything you've just told me is really helpful and, and intriguing and useful and important and I don't think the schools know this type of stuff. I don't get why people don't know this in general, why kids aren't being told this. What, why aren't you doing the law? What, why? You sound so passionate about it. What, what happened? What's going like that? Anyway, they just couldn't understand why I could be so passionate about a particular part of law, criminal law, and how I could have digested and held on to so much information and then be able to just spit it out at them with respect to how it relates to them and their, and their individual case, their child's case. And it would not be the first time I've had people who, after me, just going nuts on legal stuff and criminal law stuff and blah, 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 go, why aren't you doing this? I don't understand why you know all this and you've studied this, but you're not doing it. It doesn't make any sense. I get that a lot. And for me, it's actually a really easy answer to give back, but it never seems like it's good enough for the people asking the question. So that's why I've decided to talk to you a bit about why I quit law school. Now, I don't want this to sound 
like clickbait or something. This is just a fact. I got into uni to study law and I do not mean fresh out of high school. I mean as a mature age student. And through doing the studying and through doing the studying of the law or the laws, I realised, no, this is not my element. And I really firmly believe in life. We have to find our element in life. There is an environment, there is an element in life that fits for you. You know, when people say, oh, you're really in your element here, right? The law wasn't my element. There was, there's many factors, but I guess the most simplistic factor we can talk about on this podcast is, well, why couldn't I finish my degree? Why couldn't I complete my law degree? Because it's one thing to digest lots of information and be able to tell people um, your thoughts and give them information on the law and then go, wow, why don't you do this? It's another thing to actually be a fully qualified practicing lawyer. The big question is, why did I quit law school? Clearly, the answer as to why I'm not doing this is because, well, I don't have a law degree. I didn't finish my law degree. So I want to talk about my personal experience. When I was studying law at uni, I found there were quite a lot of issues for me as, number one, a mature age student, and number two, an autistic person, that really just happened from the start. So I'm a mature age student, which means I'm not the same age as the majority of people studying a law degree. So, And it's a degree. It's an undergraduate, a bachelor degree, right? So it's not like it's postgraduate or whatever. I'm like, dude, what are you doing in this club? What are you, who are you, the teacher, the cleaner? What, what are you doing in the room, man? Like, what's the old dude in the corner? You know what I'm saying? And, and sure, I mean, I don't look crazy old, but I still look older than the teenagers that have rocked up from high school. So automatically you're dealing with that kind of ostracizing and people just keeping their distance. I would be on a table, no one would come near my table or there'd be group work. And I, I mean, it just wouldn't work, wouldn't happen for me. I didn't really have many people to talk to. No, not many people talk to me. No click, no, no kind of social group. It's a, it was a very lonely, very isolating, and as a result, frankly, very kind of depressing, deflating period. I was kind of breaking into an environment that I almost felt like I wasn't entitled to be in. The age thing, you know, being the fish out of water, that's one major issue. But being autistic was a, was a whole nother, a whole nother issue because from a point of view of environments, the environment of a university, it's like going to your your local shopping centre on Christmas Eve. I mean, you go, to, you go to a uni, truth be told, you go to a uni the first, I don't know, what, three, four weeks of semester, it's going to be like a shopping centre Christmas Eve. By week five, six, most of the, the younger students that have just kind of started, their spirits have been broken, they realise this is hard and um, no one's going to help them and they might actually have to work for the first time in their life and they just they just curl up in a ball and... And, you know, they just never leave their bedroom again. And, and for the older students, they're not anywhere to be seen because, you know, mid-semester you've got like 40 assignments due and you're catching up on lectures and re- doing doing your readings, which apparently I was the only person that thought when they say do the readings that they actually meant to do the readings. Apparently what they actually mean is here's the readings we know you're not going to read this week. So just pointing out these are the readings to avoid. If only I could have been told that. So... It was off-putting for an autistic person because it's, I mean, you know, shopping centres, busy, Christmas Eve, this is what it's like. And they're loud. They, you know, these are young, vibrant people and et 
excited and loud and there's like 700 different groups and 700 different barbecues from different groups and people lining up here and lining up. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, and the thing is too, at any point in time, there's a class starting or finishing. So there's constantly people going back and forth. Like there's no quiet time. (laughs) Very rarely is there quiet time. So the environment was really overwhelming. It was really intimidating. And the places where you are expected to learn and study, okay? So for example, the library, the law library, the law library, I think, just from the get-go, can come across a little bit intimidating. I mean, you get in there and, okay, the intimidation is there, that's fine, but I don't think there's anything about the law library that was even remotely close to being able to encourage any kind of genuine learning for someone like me being autistic and, and not being able to deal with different types of sensory input. So, for example, I would go to the level, right, the levels of the library. By the way, the first few levels of the library was, was again, like going into a goddamn nightclub. I mean, the law library, the the law library, I mean, honestly, it's where basically law students went to socialise and hang out and rest and chat and chill and, you know, get veg out. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't – there's a couple of levels higher up where people actually studied – but even then, a lot of people were just on their laptops, just typing away, talking to people, watching TV shows, videos, burning time between classes. So, you know, I go to a quiet level to try and study. And I did this the first year or so. And then I just pulled the pin. I would take my textbooks, again, to do the famous readings that apparently you're not supposed to do. But I'd go to the law library, the levels where it was quiet, and I'd find a, a table and chair once every 2,000 times. And that's the other thing, just... Just being able to find a place to actually sit down and study in a quiet area is ridiculous. But anyway, I'd get a place and I'd start reading. So people wouldn't be talking because you couldn't, right? But there'd be whispering conversations. It was quiet on that respect. But what it wasn't quiet on was the technology stuff. As an autistic person, when people, more than one person, when people start to bang away on their laptop keys, right? Bang away on the keyboards. I understand it might not be anything and you can block it out if you're just a neurotypical person, but for me, as an autistic person, it is one of the more agitating, infuriating, distracting sounds on the planet. I mean, I could be sitting on the couch at nighttime watching TV, relaxing, you know, my wife might start do, doing some work on her laptop. And after a while, if I'm already in a bad place, after a while, like, it's just, it's too much. Like, you've got to stop that. You've got to stop that keyboard tapping. So this was a situation where, you know, I would go to a university to study and to read and even the areas that were deemed, you know, quiet places to study, well, they weren't for me, right? Because there's, there's different types of noises and those noises are all I need to not digest a word. And from the places where you study to the places where you're being taught, for example, lecture theatres and tutorial rooms, this is the thing about these two things. It's kind of funny. Lecture theatres, some of them can be absolutely massive, like a cinema, and tutorial rooms can be so small you almost don't believe the people that are in your tutorial, your tute, are going to fit in this room, right? And when they do, it's tight. And it's just, it's like claustrophobic without even needing to go into much detail here. This is just more of an environment perspective. These rooms are lit up like a Christmas tree. The kind of lighting, the old school kind of, you know, crazy blurry lighting that flickers, they are crazy hot or crazy cold. They're never conducive to comfort. Uh, And because they're so small and they're so jam-packed, Again, as an autistic person, the sounds, the smell, the feeling, it really makes it hard to digest, to learn, to contribute. And in addition to that, it becomes, it can be very intimidating, but also if you already feel intimidated and out of place and oversensitized, and then you go into a, a room 
it's really small and there's lots of people kind of huddled up and they're all trying to answer questions and jumping in here and the teacher's doing this and that. It's very hard to, to engage. It's very hard to break through. There's no space. There's no time and space for it. So you can go from that environment to a lecture theatre environment, which is the complete reverse. Look, there's some engagement, but there's not a lot of engagement. I mean, you find a seat and you sit down, right? Now, from my point of view, I'm always alone. As an autistic person, I can find lecture theatres to be really intense because because the amount of people, for starters, and also the amount of people that are around you. And as a result, I would only ever sit on an aisle seat. So I'd only ever sit on the first or last seat of a row, right? So I was on I was on the stairs. I could just get up and leave straight away. I never felt blocked in. The kind of stuff that would just, I'd just snap. I always did that. Now, of course, I'm by myself. And there's literally tens of seats <laughs> past me, right? I'm basically blocking the row. I don't do that purposely, but of course, many people want to get through and I'm constantly standing up. So I'm constantly getting my laptop, picking it up, standing up, letting people through, get back down. I mean, it just goes on forever. People rock up halfway through the lecture. This is because if I sit in the middle or down the road, and this might, again, might seem ridiculous to you, but to me, and by the way, these aren't even the big things. These are just environment stuff. This is something that can really lead me to, to shut down or meltdown. Now, meltdown is one thing, but to shut down is worse in a uni environment because it means that your brain kind of shuts down and reboots. You're not actually digesting, absorbing, learning. So that's even worse, really. And I guess the final thing I'd say with lectures if you do go to them face-to-face lecture theaters and again when I when I did uni before I dropped out it was prior to the right prior to the pandemic in fact exactly right before the pandemic started and you could go to lecture theaters and I know that's coming back now but they were really loud as well and there was big screens and there were crappy bloody projectors and they would flicker and the brightness would go on and off and and the, the sound of the lapel mic and the speakers was was bloody horrible and some teachers liked all the lights off some teachers liked all the lights on there was zero consistency it just from a sensory point of view it was not only unpredictable but either way it, it was just it was not remotely conducive to someone who has any kind of sensory stimulation or overstimulation needs and challenges. So I know what you're thinking. How in God's name could a couple of crappy little environmental issues like that cause you to drop out of law school? Well, the answer is they didn't, but you have to look at it from a cumulative point of view, right? If you're going to uni, law school is basically a five-day-a-week kind of degree, full-time degree, when I, I, and I was full-time. If you're going to, to law school and this is happening to you on a daily basis, well, it is going to accumulate, right? And it's going to get to your mental health and get to you as a person. You just And you're so intimidated and, or so dreading or so scared of going back into the environment day after day in addition to the, the sheer workload of the degree that it is actually going to add up to a point where you go, oh, I just can't do this anymore. It's, it's not right for me. But nevertheless, partway through my degree, I was able to tap into an amazing resource that was at the uni I went to. And it was basically a disability support services part of the uni that was there to help people with disabilities to provide them, I guess, with different types of supports. Okay. Now I think this is interesting because when you look at it, people have all different types of disabilities, right? So this is actually an individualized organization arm of, of the uni. You can't just give the same thing to like, there's no use giving me a hearing aid, right? Or someone to help me walk to class. Like there's, everyone has different things and that's cool. The things that I was able to get as an autistic person were the kind of supports that I guess they were told or they were taught or someone had decided that these are the things that autistic people are probably going to need based on 
what we know about autistic people to successfully complete a university degree. (laughs) Before I had them, I didn't know if that was right or wrong. I now know it's wrong. But before we go through the issues, let's talk about the kind of things that I got. Oh, and I would say too that the team were amazing to work with. They're great people. Their heart's in the right place. And they are a team within an organisation, within a university. So they're doing the best they can and they believe in what they're doing. In the end, though, it comes down to the university as a whole. Okay, so the allowances that I received, I could view lectures online. I could apply and get extended time for assessments, extended time for exams. So that means, for example, an assessment like an essay, right? I could get an extra three days before I had to hand it in, where for an exam, I could get an extra 10 minutes per hour for an exam. And it's fair to say that the majority, well, really the whole focus of the allowances were on assessments, right? So I think the the in-semester assessments was kind of a, a whatever, like I could, I could get extended time, okay, cool, whatever. But it was really focused on exams because in the end, <laughs> exams are the be-all and end-all, right? So it was, it was not only, like I mentioned, extra time in exams, but there was a few other things that I could be offered. So I was also offered uh, regular breaks. I was also offered in certain circumstances, a quieter space to do my exam. So maybe a space slightly away from the hustle and bustle of the exam hall or all the students. When you look at it, when you just think about it, okay, so they're saying that they're giving me more time to do my exams plus break times built in plus potentially somewhere quieter and away from the hustle and bustle to sit my exams, this is like the magic bullet. That's what you would think. That's what I thought. But it wasn't the case. It it isn't the case. And I I guess what we've got to do here is kind of go through the whys. All right, so first up, let's just touch on the whole lectures online thing, right? Okay, so I still had to go to the tutorials in person, right? So the tutorials, they're more like the compulsory component of the unit. So you learn the stuff in the lecture, then you go to the tutorial and you have to, I guess, put it into practice, right? There might be tests or there might be activities or whatever. You've got to kind of put what you've learned into practice. That's kind of even more intimidating, right? We've already talked about the environment, but now I'm actually pushed into going and contributing in a meaningful way. So you're letting me get lectures online, but I'm still going to tutorials in person. I don't see how that complements each other. You're kind of saying one thing is not acceptable, but the other one is in that environment. Anyway, so that was a bit confusing. From my point of view, I would say the allowances that I received were all assessment-based, and my issue, my contention is, in fact, the allowances I was given were promoting the exclusion of me. It wasn't helping me learn and do the best I can. It was helping me withdraw from, from environments that may be not conducive to my learning, rather than trying to fix, alter, adapt the environments for me, they were withdrawing me. They were excluding me from the the environment, the face-to-face part of learning, which, I don't know, it, it's, it kind of makes no sense to me. So I think although it wasn't the intention of the actual disability support services team, because they have their hearts in the right place, it was more a lack of intention of the university as a whole to actually properly view the importance and the, the core reason for providing disability support services, but more importantly, the core structures required to, in fact, promote and provide inclusion. In providing me supports to look inclusive, 
I was excluded. Worse, though, in my mind, were that all the supports that I received as an autistic person, in my opinion, were all assessment-based. Now, hear me out here, because I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting more time for you know mid-semester assessments and exams and essays. And all. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's amazing. What, what I'm saying is if all my supports are assessment-based, that means the time leading up to the assessment, which is basically the entire semester, isn't really covered with supports. I'll support you when you're getting assessed for the stuff you've learnt, but how is that support relevant if I can't learn the content? I'm not autistic in exams and neurotypical in semester. (laughs) Do you see what I'm trying to say? Okay, here's another example. I just don't get the content. I've tried to work it out myself. I've tried to ask. It's being explained to me either in a neurotypical way that just isn't working or when asked for a better explanation, you know, I'm go and work it out for yourself. This is uni or uh, someone doesn't want to help me in a way that is going to get through to me because I have a different way of learning or whatever it is. And it's mid-semester and I've got an assessment due, right? I've been working on it from the day that it got handed down, right? So as opposed to every normal university student on the planet, I did not start it the night before it was due. I opened up the assessment description the day it was released, which is probably like, what, a month, two months ahead. And I I started trying to work on it. But no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't understand what I was supposed to be writing about or doing. I just, I didn't understand the content. I couldn't grasp the content in a way that would help me write the assignment, write the essay, craft the assessment to whatever it was. Now, clearly this wasn't the case in all units, right? There were some units I, I really loved and I did really well in. Other units, not so much, okay? And that's not abnormal. But for me, it is abnormal if I can never get it. No one is able to help me get it. I have no social supports to help me, no study buddies. I'm not, you know, I'm just the old man in the corner. All these things come crashing down I, and it comes down to it being due and I can't submit it. And then they go, well, it doesn't matter. Your supports allow you a three-day extension. This is the point. If I get a three-day extension to hand in an assignment that I've been trying to complete for two months, as in since the day it was released, more time than any other student probably, and I still haven't worked it out by the time it's due, what do you think's going to happen in the next three days? You could give me two years extension, two weeks extension. It, does, it doesn't matter. There's no use giving me three days, three weeks, three years extension on something I do not understand. Again, that is an assessment-based support. Three days extension is irrelevant to me if I couldn't learn the content in order for me to complete the assessment in the first place. Three days is just an extra three days to feel like an idiot, to feel stressed, depressed, and potentially suicidal. So the core issue that for me, and of course, again, everything I'm saying is my own personal experience, right? My own personal insights and thoughts from my own personal experience with the supports I received as an autistic person at uni. But it's clear to me the supports were assessment focused. My point is who cares about assessment supports if I didn't learn the content? I need learning supports. 
Giving me lectures online is not a learning support. It's an exclusion support that lets me watch a lecture from the comfort of my own home. So sure, that might help me in certain ways, but it's not going to help me learn. And on top of that, I observe no real change in learning style, in structure, in teaching style. The first thing I would say to my own argument is, well, hang on it, right? You don't expect the teachers to change their entire styles for one person to. Well, no, I don't. But I do expect, if you're going to say it's an inclusive environment, I do expect the teaching staff to understand that they are going to have to deliver the content and teach the content in a way that can be absorbed, can be learnt, can be used and adapted by people of all walks, by people of all types of abilities, challenges, strengths, be that disability, not having a disability, it doesn't matter, right? I'm saying, yeah, the, the learning styles, the learning structures and the teaching staff all need to understand that these people you're looking at when you do a lecture, right, they're all different and they all need to learn what you're teaching them. It's not your job just to teach that one genius kid that's on a scholarship, right? <laughs> I mean, cool, good, good for her or him, it's your job to teach these people, this class, these individuals here are all here to learn. They're all going to learn differently and it's up to you to make sure they learn. Sure, some will learn better than others. Some will do better than others. Some will have great scores, bad scores. I'm not saying make us all have the same score. I'm saying, but we all need to walk out going, okay, we get it. Now, of course, we're all going to get it to different degrees. Some are much more sophisticated. <laughs> some don't have a basic understanding, but we still have to have that. And another observation on... The teaching style, and I guess the tutors and the lecturers, is they seem to embrace the promoting of disability support services that are available, but they kind of looked at it like it was something that's there, but they're not really connected to it. It has no relevance or connection to them. It's just available and it's there and I'd like you to know about it. This is how it works. But then you'll hear them say things like, I'll never know what what disability you have. I'll never know why you're asking for an extension or why you're asking for this or that. I'll just know that you're registered through the disability support team and as a result of being registered through them, I'll see your request for an extension or whatever and I can organise that for you. So what they're basically saying is they're passing the buck on why you are registered and why you are asking for supports and why you're asking them for, for help or assistance. They're just handballing it. They don't don't know and don't want to know. Well, how will that help anyone? I don't know how many more times I need to say this, but if you cannot learn the content, you can't pass the assessments. Supports that are based on assessments completely neglect to see that the main chunk of support required is for people who are different to other people being able to learn and digest and absorb the content they require to pass that unit. And from my point of view, a great example of why it's the learning, not the assessment, that needs so much more time and research and effort put into how can we help people of different disabilities in the learning. I just don't think there's anything there. So much research and thoughts and studies and surveys and conversations with people like me, I think this is so important because even the units that I did really well in, okay, like as in got HDs with zero, I mean zero extra time, actually handing them early, HDs in assessments and, and, and exam stuff, even in those, 
I never had a good exam experience. For me, as an autistic person, exam experiences were horrific. We're talking thousands of people waiting outside a room, a hall, whatever, this mass of people in these echoey, big, big echoey rooms, chitter-chattering, sitting down, getting all their equipment out, lots of noise. It's shutdown mode. The sheer stress of all that noise and all those people on top of, of course, the fact you're about to sit a law exam, which in effect is a two and a half hour exam that takes the lecturer that wrote it four hours to complete. And you've got all the noise, all the people, all the stress, all the pressure. Your brain has nothing else to do but shut down. Shut down and then still try to do an exam. So in all those conditions, I would absolutely be past the point of stress and would have shut down, reboot, and I was still doing the exam, just going through in my mind, the motions of what I needed to do as best I could, but nowhere near my potential because I wasn't mentally there. I was so overwhelmed and, and my brain had shut down that I was just, was almost autopilot and still passing them in the good units, but still not living up to my potential. This is my issue. I never failed an exam while studying law at uni, but I never, ever reached my full potential. Not even close. I was never able to reach my full potential. So if I'm walking into an exam hall and they say there's going to be a thousand people around you, it's going to be intimidating and loud as all hell, a sensory nightmare, but don't worry, halfway through we'll give you a five-minute break and every hour you can have an extra 10 minutes. What do you think is going to happen? Not much more, right? Once you shut down, once you're overstimulated, once you're oversensitized, it's done. You're done. Computers, when they reboot, they'll come back on when they're ready, not when you're ready. So it's not going to make any difference. And saying a quiet area, I respect that. What a great idea. But in practicality, it's not really quiet. You're still waiting with everyone. And sure, it's it's a ways, but it's not like it's in a different suburb. It's still the, the things you would expect to ex- experience in exam halls. So it's tricky. They're trying to help, but they just don't know exactly the best way to do it. So they're kind of just going for... I guess, the textbook ways, and ultimately the mental health toll from the sheer slog of studying law at uni as an autistic adult, as a mature age student, as a husband and a father, was too much. It just became too much. And by the way, this is what people don't get too. I was almost finished. When I say almost finished, I don't mean, oh yeah, a couple of years ago. No, no, no. Like, I reckon I probably have a semester of units left. And of those units left, I only have one core or compulsory unit left. Basically, (laughs) I'd pretty much completed a law degree, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter that I had maybe less than a year to go before I'd finished my law degree. It didn't matter. It, It didn't matter if it was my first year or my last year because I'd got to the point where I couldn't sustain it. It had taken such a toll on me mentally Honestly, it was. It could have been the end of me. It would have been the end of me. And every day I think about why couldn't I just finish it? But this is the thing. This is not about being tough or strong or smart. Or This is about being real. Why couldn't I just finish it? I couldn't just finish it because I couldn't just finish it. And what's sad about it is if a university sets up a system designed to support people with disabilities so they're included in tertiary education, designed to help them fulfill their potential. And that's really what it is. If you're helping disabled people or people with disabilities, what you're trying to do is provide them with the supports that helps them live up to their expectations, fulfill their potential, right? If that's happening, 
but it's not working, I just feel like a failure. It's all my fault. But there's nothing more I could have done. Again, I never failed a unit. I was on track to do this. I was on track to finish this. I was so close. We're talking a handful of units left. And it didn't matter. It was either going to be the end of studying or it was going to be the end of me. And I chose to drop out of law school. So moving forward and drawing on my own personal experiences, because I know there's many autistic people who have very different experiences at uni who have gone on to graduate and have great careers and love what they do. I think all we need to do here is actually get serious about the research, the studies, the conversations, the dialogue into how we can actually adapt, learn, grow, evolve learning styles and teaching styles at higher education so people, in my instance, that are autistic, people with disabilities, are able to fulfill their true potential. Never filling my potential in any unit because I was let down by certain assessments because it just was, wasn't something that was conducive to me was heartbreaking. But there has to be a better way. And supporting an autistic person by giving them assessment-based supports misses the point, the critical point of why you're at uni. And that is to learn. If you can't learn the stuff, the assessments don't matter. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Well, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. And I really do appreciate you taking the time. Now, if it's resonated with you, I want you to share it with your family and your friends. I'd really appreciate that. We want to reach as many people as possible to make a real difference to the autistic community. And if you'd like to continue the conversation or maybe say, hey, you can like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or send me a message via my website, orionkelly.com.au. Also check out my YouTube channel. Just look for Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. Until next time, thank you so much for opening up your mind and embracing differences. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and never miss an episode. Like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or visit orionkelly.com.au.